You're listening to another episode of Total Talk Nonsense with John and Scott. Total Talk Nonsense with John and Scott. Uh, he's John. <laughs> and I'm Alfie, man. Where's What's John, up? man? Come on. Hold on a second, man. I'm right here, Scott. Alfie throws me off. Come on, you got to tell me that before the show that All Alfie's right. here. I don't know if I could do the show now. <laughs> I'm so thrown <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm John. And I'm Scott. This is episode... Well, you know, I thought Alfie had to stop by because the last show we were going to do was going to be a Christmas show. Right. It was uh, 1222. We did a holiday special, but Alfie didn't show up for our holiday special. That's right. And then who was to know that we wouldn't be back for like eight weeks? Right. Who knew? Total Talk Nonsense with John Scott. I'm John. And I'm Scott. And this is episode 269. That's right, John. 269. 269 twice. 69, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, John, eight weeks. Eight. Has eight it been that long? Been yeah. And, you know, um, I've been in. I've been wow. talking to Phil, and um, like the past four weeks, I said, no, no, really, John said we're going to do it. We're going to do it this this Monday. And then he's all set up to go, and then I got to, you know, I got to call him and say, yeah. hey. You yeah. didn't call him every time. <clears throat> he well, showed up a couple of times. <laughs> I called him My every time. My wife did not appreciate that. <laughs> so, this Monday, he was all ready to go, and I had to tell him, hey, you know, not it's not going to happen. Uh, maybe tomorrow. And then I fucked up yesterday, Tuesday. And then, finally, we are here on a Wednesday night. Is this the first Wednesday night podcast in the history yeah, of TTN? Yeah, could I be. believe so. Well, no, we had... One time when you were living with your in-laws, we had like five in a row. Like five every days night. in a row? We, yeah, we just kept doing it. <laughs> hey, man, I could do another podcast. I need to get out of the house, man. Let's do another one. Let's do it till four in the morning. You know what? And you were, you were, you wanted to do like 24-hour yeah, marathons and shit. I'm like, what? When we could get like sponsors yeah. and donations. Yeah. Hey, turn my cans up a little bit, would you? Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, I'm watching the Bulls game. Bulls playing the Celtics. And, uh, yeah, so we have nothing prepared. I have nothing. Are I grab my. Cans right there? Yeah, that's it. I grab my laptop, which I haven't turned on in like eight weeks. And, uh, so that had to get all the new Windows installs and all that shit. I have no notes yeah. whatsoever. I had really great stories. Right. I can't remember any of them. I had a faggot school story. I can't remember that one. Um, so we're just gonna have to wing it, John. We're winging it tonight after eight weeks. This is the Christmas show, isn't it? Sure, why not? So, how'd you feel after Christmas? Well, we'll, we'll get to the whole thing, but after Christmas, were you totally let down or did you want it to keep going? Christmas? Yeah. No, I'm done with Christmas. Christmas starts for me like in October. Right. So, when Christmas is over, I am done. Get the tree down, get the decorations down. <laughs> Let's move on. That's the way I usually am. This year, I couldn't let go. Because I felt like I got ripped off, you know? Why? Because you were working well, so much? Oh, yeah. I, I felt like I totally got gypped on this whole deal. And uh, so we left shit up for a couple extra weeks. The tree. 
then I took it down, and I was still like, uh, you know, the lights, those are still up. I don't know. Should I take them down? And then I just had to, because it was, it was just going to get colder and colder and colder. So you know how I take the lights down? No. I just grab them by the handful <laughs> and drag them off the bushes and just throw them in a big tote and then worry about rolling them up when it's warmer. Or just leave them like that and then wait till next year. Right? Yeah. Well, then and have your son do it. Yeah. <laughs> like give it to him like Rusty. Yeah, like Christmas Rusty. vacation. <laughs> Here you go, Russ. Oh, dude, that's what we did. Uh, we I, I don't know if I even talked about this because I'd never listened to the last show that we did, but uh, we saw Christmas Vacation at the theater. Yeah, you told me you couldn't do one of the shows. I said, well, I can't do Monday. Well, what about Tuesday? Uh, I can't do it. We're going to see Christmas Vacation <laughs> really? at the Is that theater. What we're like? So we went to MovieCo, and I've seen this movie 50 fucking times, but... When it's on TV, you know, you get up, you have, uh, you pour some whiskey, you, you know, you're, you got things going on. But when you're sitting, <laughs> what happened? Is everything all right? I dropped my bottle. I drank it already. When you're you're sitting in the theater and you have to focus on the screen, uh, there's things that I saw that I have never seen before. Yeah. I'm sure we talked about this yeah. on the holiday show. We did. Yeah. So Do we have a holiday show? Let's move on. Yeah, the last show we did was a, a holiday show. Oh, it was kind of, it was in December, right? Yeah, it was like December 27th. Yeah, yeah. It was posted. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's on iTunes, man. No. Look, man. Do we play this music? Listen. I'm sure we did. Oh, oh, shit. Now I got to shut it off. Holiday special 2012. Wow. It was an hour 54 on the dot. Yeah. Wow. I can't remember any of that. Uh, me either. All right, so what have you been up to for eight weeks? Oh, my God. I've been working. We uh, moved my company. Um, and you were very integral. You were yeah. a leader in that move. Yes, I led the you move. You led the move. Uh, One building to another. Yeah. How many square feet to how many square feet? Uh, it's true. 71,000 to a footprint of... Well, here's what we did. Uh, We had to move the offices, which was roughly 20,000 square feet into a 7,000 square foot footprint. Uh, Although I got an office twice the size as what I used to have. I have a a conference room table in my office now. Nice. So you can bring people in and bitch at them. Yeah. Yeah. Not do it on the floor anymore. And, uh, well, I used to have an office with a conference room next to me, you know, Mm -hmm. that I would use. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, so we had, uh, oh, and then the warehouse, we had to move, uh, like 5,500 pallets of stuff. Stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, about 300 racking uprights and, uh, uh, 3,500 cross beams. Uh, so basically, here's what we did. Uh, they sold our building, and we knew we were going to move at some point, and we finally got a date to move. And it happened to be in the middle of January, but leading up to the move, I had to, because we were taking the racking that had the the stuff on it with us, it has to be torn down and set up. So you got to take everything out, tear the racking down, send it over, 
set it up, put everything back in. Now everybody, some people are like, oh, you could do that in a weekend. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem... I said, yeah, smoke, smoke another crack pipe, pal. Um, so uh, they gave me like a week. They didn't even give me a week. I had to kind of sneak a week in. Here's the question I have. So you have the square footage and you have shelving. So that's how many? That's like three or four levels of shelving? Uh, six, actually. Six levels. Yeah. So you take the shit off the shelves. Where the fuck do you put it? I mean, good question. Where, how, That's where a very interesting question, Scott. To put six levels of shelving somewhere here's until a, you take the shelving here, down a, and move it. Here's how a TTN, a John from TTN does it, all right? Mm-hmm. So what I did is this warehouse that we're moving into, is a, it's, it's a behemoth. It's 500,000 square feet. The guy had uh, a bunch of racking already set up. Not that we could use because it's a different size, but we could temporarily use it. So I said, look. Temporarily. I got an idea. Listen. We're going to move about half the racking, and we're going to earmark whatever we can't or don't need for the next 60 days and move it over there ahead of ahead of time. And then we're going to tear this racking down here and move that over, set it up, and then... The first uh, items that we're going to move over are from a, a, a section where it's a small part shelves and stuff that has to. It, it takes a little more care to set up. Some electrical has to go in. There's lighting that's got to be done. Very complicated and uh, uh, time consuming, as well as intricate. It had uh, you had to have a certain synergy to get it done. So. Um, that was my project from December 1st to the 12th, and that almost failed miserably because the guy uh, who told me I could, he told me I could leave all the pallets with the stuff on it at the bottom, the bottom shelf, which is on the floor, I could leave that stuff there. Well, the team comes to tear the racking down, they go, no, you can't leave that there. I said, well, why not? Because uh, we'll damage it. We don't want to be responsible for it. So I go, well, I don't know where to put it now. I have nowhere to put this stuff. So I came up with this bright idea. This stuff is all at what you call, it's a pick face, Scott. It's where you pick from. It's at a level where you just walk up and you have a... Grab a, shit. Yeah, you, you got a pick ticket, you grab shit from there. Yeah. And um, all these pick faces, about uh, four or five hundred of them, had to be relocated. Well, because I cleaned out a section of racking that went all the way up to the ceiling, I took and made that all the way to the ceiling a single pick face all the way down, moved all that shit in there, and these guys were able to tear the racking down and move it over to the new building. You saved the day, in other words. But I didn't get half of what I wanted done. But um, because when we were selling the building and the and the people who wanted to buy the building wanted the racking too, um, they kind of held out to the last minute before they gave us an offer, and then they didn't offer us anything, thinking that we would have to leave it behind. Uh, but my boss wouldn't have that. He wa- he had to have the racking. I said, okay, I'd rather buy new racking. It would be much simpler. Um, but. Um, you know, whatever budget reasons, it would be you know a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, to buy a new racking. But while we we're uh, looking at the racking as we were tearing it down, we noticed a lot of these upright legs were bent. 
damaged. So a wrecking company won't put them up if they're damaged. And these things are 23 feet high, each one of them. And uh, I counted 72 of them. So we needed 72 new uprights. We needed to buy some used or new racking. So you had to buy new racking anyway. I said to buy, well, Holy just 72. Shit. 72. What? Well, why not buy all new? Yeah. So 72 out of uh, 300, we got those. And then we got, uh, uh, we had a bunch of cross beams left over. So I sent those over. And they set all that uh, that up. So we had about uh, two-fifths of the warehouse already set up. And uh, I went over there, took a look at it. But still, I had to work off of a drawing to set everything up. And so I put a plan together to get it all done. And I literally started Saturday morning of, I can't remember what it was, the 12th or something, and I was done by Thursday afternoon shipping everything. It was like 52 truckloads out of these two little dock doors. I had the shit going, man. I, my team was like... And we had these two forklifts that would they would shut down because they get too hot. So we'd have to drive them outside to cool them off. And uh, so we couldn't work when this shit was happening. So somebody came up with an idea of taking another forklift that we had, and as the guy took a pallet off the top instead of bringing it all the way down, he brings it halfway, and the guy with another forklift picks it off of his forks, backs up, drops it, a couple guys come in with a pallet jack, pull it out, shrink wrap it, load it on the truck. Bam! So we were done like two days early, and we couldn't do any work because the racking wasn't set up yet. So we had to wait, send people home early on a Saturday, uh, and we by that Monday we were supposed to be up and shipping. And I had to move pack stations and conveyors and computers, and I got all that stuff set up already. That was all set up ahead of time so that the IT people could come in and do their thing. We had to have a little modular office built, the 16 by 12 office, heated, air-conditioned, and we had to set up uh, 24 cubicles, all flooring, electrical, plumbing, all that shit had to be done within a matter of weeks. And, so you've been uh, busy. Yeah, I've been very busy, working 12-hour days, six days a week. What does your future look like? A couple like? of Sundays, I don't know. You have no idea? I have no idea. You're not the warehouse manager anymore? No. You're the liaison between... Your company and this third-party vendor. Well, I'm either the operations manager or the logistics manager, but I am the contract manager. Contract manager. So you still still run the show. Yeah, I also do transportation management. I negotiate all the the transportation contracts. And I convinced them to continue to use our ERP system. Uh, so, uh, most of the, almost every one of my ex-employees now work for this new company and, um, it's tough work for them. They have a lot, uh, to catch up. Um, but, uh, it seems to be that they're pretty happy. So no real jobs lost in this transition. 
Nice, but you're not sure what your future is, what your day to day is. It's still uh, well, uh, yeah. My day to day is the same, roughly. It's uh, you know, I I have when I was the warehouse manager, the the daily processes are still the same. The expectation is still there. For, for example, uh, you you hire a bunch of people to like build your house, you know. Or let's say you're you're a, uh, a general contractor, so you 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 hire a bunch of contractors to work for you to build a house, right? Right. Uh, that's kind of what I am now. I'm the general in the middle that uh, uh, has an you know has to manage the expectation from my company's perspective. So they have an expectation. We have certain KPIs. They have to be met. There's bonus malice. There's all kinds of, you know, incentives. And uh, I have to manage that expectation and make sure that they deliver it. So you still have shit to do. Yeah. I mean, you're but it's in a, not you're 16 a, hours a day. No, it won't. It won't be after a while. So we can get back to a, a regular podcasting yeah. schedule on a weekly basis. Yeah. Well, that's out of sight. That is out of sight. What was that? Nothing. What was that? <laughs> no, is that going to drift in here? That was my chair. All right. Um, well, John, work's been going well for me. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's not going to seep out here, is it? I don't it? know what you're talking about. Uh, I hope not. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, got, I don't have any news. Oh, here's the big thing that happened at work. Uh, oh, I did get a bottle of wine from the president. And That's he, nice. He told me I've done a yeoman's job. A yeoman. Yes, yeah. yeomen are known for the job that they do, John. Yeah. Um, one thing exciting happened at work. Uh, I work at a corporate, like a white-collar corporate pharmaceutical office. Big office, big uh, buildings, six floors. There's two of them. And you know what happened, John? No. I'm a, I'm, I was so happy about this. They relaxed the dress code. So wow. I can wear jeans every nice. goddamn day, unless a vendor comes in, or unless I'm talking to um, <laughs> a high visibility uh, a customer, like somebody a director <laughs> or above yeah. who's a customer. Then I have to I have to do the business casual. But other than that, I can wear fucking jeans and a t shirt. Oh, dude, uh, I get I'm working in an office now, right? You know, yeah. I used to have an office in the back, basically. It was pretty nice, though. I, I, I built it. I GC'd it and designed it. So it was pretty nice. The new office is very nice as well. But it's it's now I'm supposed to be bound by the dress code. And I've been coming to work with these Batman t-shirts and <laughs> long sleeve t-shirt underneath and jeans. And I wear these, uh, these Crocs. They write you they, up in they, HR then, look, or what? I don't give a shit. Go ahead, write me up. Um, no, well, I'm going to start dressing in golf shirts and stuff. But well, I play basketball I uh, with some guys that I that I used to work with, and one of them is the actual president of the company that I used to work at. So I sent him an email when the company that I'm at now went jeans only because at the company I used to work at. Jeans was only on Friday. Yeah. So I sent him this email and I said, um, what did I say? I said, jeans, not just Fridays anymore. 
And uh, so I saw him at uh, basketball, and he said, I'm going to make this happen. This is innovation at its finest. But so far, he hasn't he hasn't made it happen. He hasn't come through. He hasn't come He's through. Delivered. I guess uh, the woman in HR is putting up a uh, putting up a fight. Yeah. Well, we we didn't have much of a dress code kind of when I first started at my company, and and in the summer, some women would wear these really tight bicycle shorts that shouldn't wear really tight bicycle shorts. What so, are you saying, John? Well, they were a little heavy, and they would, and their their legs would look like sausages trying to escape the <laughs> casing. And maybe uh, some people find that um, okay for business attire. I don't know. I, I don't know. But um, the girl was bent over in front of my boss's office once. An old boss I had. And he was like, "Oh my god! Oh god!" And I go, what, what? Oh, Carol over there. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I'm calling. That's it. We're going to have a dress code. What? what? What's going on? You know, I didn't, I didn't know because I don't look at that. But she was bent over with her ass aimed towards my boss. And, you know, he's a fitness freak. You know, it's all about the body and the look. And well, hold on. If you bend over, your ass is going to aim yeah. somewhere, right? Yeah. So he just happened to be in in the line yeah, of sight. But she was wearing the. But her crack the, wasn't hanging out. No, was it? her super tight shorts were squeezing her legs out of the shorts, and uh, she was very wide woman. I thought it was kind of rude, but um, that's how the dress code started. Because people, we had one girl who had some uh, big hooters, and uh, she would wear very loose tops, and that shit would just be, those things would be out of control. What do you mean, no bra? Yeah. No bra, loose tops, and they'd just be... Those suckers would be going 24-7, man. (laughs) Turn her head. So they okay. You got to do this. You got to do that. And uh, wait a minute. Somebody actually sat down and talked to her and said, "Hey, you got to you got to reel those." No, boobs no. In. You got to reel them in. <laughs> do you got furniture's disease? What's that? Your chest is in your drawers. No, uh, they just you know they didn't. I don't know how they dealt with that. You need to wear a brazier. But they uh, they instituted this. I don't know. Somebody downloaded it. Offline, and uh, it circulated around. And at the time, I was up in the front, so I had to adhere to it. So I instituted a uniform policy. I got everybody in the warehouse uniforms with their name on it, and they were all happy because they didn't have to wash clothes anymore, right? And worry about what they had to wear, right? What do I got to wear? Yeah. What am I going to wear tomorrow? And, you know, they compl- they're hot, so I got them shorts, and you know, I got them all kinds of stuff. And then I, I had a uniform, too. I had khakis. I had 11, like 11 pairs of khakis or something like that, and, a, and 11 blue shirts. So I always had this nice blue button-down crisp shirt and a locker with all my shit in it. So I'd come to work, you know, in my jeans and t-shirt. I'd switch over into my uniform. And, uh, yeah, we looked good, man. We were sharp. 
Well, my wife used to work in HR, and the story she used to tell about the shit that HR has to deal with is un-fucking-believable. Like at a big corporation. Like at a, a Fortune 50, 500 maybe yeah. corporation. The shit that goes on yeah. that HR has to deal with. It's unbelievable, John. Yeah. I I'll know. tell you after the show. <laughs> what? 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 We don't know who the company is. What? You don't want to say? Uh, no, no, I don't. Oh, uh, no, but it had to do no. with the. It had to do with. Um, yeah. Uh, there's so many stories. Oh, dude. Let, let me, me tell just you. tell you one. All right. Uh, the the toilets. There was a always an issue with the toilets. The toilets yeah. were always plugged up. Yep. You know what they were plugged up with? Oh yeah, they take their their uh, maxi pad no, and roll it up. No. What? Rubbers. What? Rubbers. Oh, my God. (laughs) Going at it in the corporate office? Oh, my God. What's wrong with... At least it was safe sex. Yeah, what the fuck's wrong with people? Silver lining. Go to a hotel. They had that, too. Uh (laughs) Car in the bathroom? No, no, in the parking garage. So they... (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you that story after the show. (laughs) All right, so, um, yeah, we had shit like that too. I when I worked uh, for a company, the warehouse was so big, we had to drive around in these little carts, you know, these little Cushman three wheelers, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I couldn't find so I'm like, what the, f- where is this fucking guy? So I, you know, and everybody says, okay, aisle one, that's where everybody goes to screw around. All right, so I go cruising down aisle one. And I'm calling for this guy. Uh, I don't remember Jose, whatever his name was, or Joe. I don't. I can't remember. He comes jumping out of the from the racks between the products, and a chick comes jumping out of the other side, and they're tucking their pants in, and their hair's all messed up. Yeah, they're banging right in the <laughs> warehouse between uh, some pallets. <laughs> Did you did you report him? No, did you talk I to said, him? look, you, come on, look, listen. I don't know what's going on here. Not in the warehouse, but this come is on. what we do from this time to this time. When you're punched in, yeah, uh, I'm not you're, paying you you're for this. Expected to work. <laughs> it's a condition of employment. Whatever that was is not. <laughs> Guess what happened? I come in the next day and my cart tires are slashed. Really? Yes. But it, well, you think it was this asshole? Oh, I don't know. They used to call us blue shirts over there. Oh, here comes one of the fucking blue shirts. Supervisors, managers, we're blue shirts. Yeah. That's it's like human nature. Wardens in the. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, you know, you can't befriend the common folk when you're. You can't, you know, befriend your subordinates because it, it makes things hard. And they always want, somebody always wants to be your pal or they invite you over to dinner or something. You're yeah. like, no, yeah, I can't do that. You know, my son's got a thing. Maybe next time. Because it just, uh, it doesn't, um, it depends on what level you get. You know, when you get higher up, it's it's a little better. But when it's like that, yeah, there's there's some weird shit that goes on. The uh, some of the shit they complain about too. Employees, people oh. are fucking crazy. I know they are fucking insane. 
It's like uh, it surprises me every time. <laughs> when this whole thing went down, you know, uh, some of the stuff that people were saying, I, I was just baffled. Hey, man, I've been here twenty five years. I know, but you know the the company is not the same company when you were hired. They're they've sold three times to other parties that own it now and they make decisions and they don't even know who you are they don't know who i am you know so unfortunately this is happening there's nothing i can do about it and uh it's it's a process that they're taking in order to ensure uh their profitability and sustainability so you know and and it wasn't like my you know these people knew they were told the day before it happened they had kind of a whole year and then when finally we were starting to shut the doors they're like hey wait a minute well i thought you were like kidding i didn't think this was really gonna happen like they were gonna lose their jobs yeah they yeah. did they didn't know well you know technically yeah uh, uh, you think about the average intelligence of the united states there john and then think that 49% of the population is dumber than that. And we see headlines all the time. People are fucking dumb and crazy. Well, here's here's a story. Uh, one of them is a hardened Republican who listens to Rush Limbaugh. And the first thing he bitched about Not was... Not for comedy purposes, but like... He no, he listens like, to him intently. He's a guru. Obama's a Muslim. He's gonna <laughs> blow the world up. He's and, gonna take our guns away. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he wants queers. Less to government. Ruin and these people are so. What the fucks with people and their entitlement? You know, they want everything for free. The first thing he bitched about was he wasn't getting all of his carryover paid. His carryover vacation uh, paid out to him. That's Obama's fault, right? No, but the, the the thing the point I'm trying to get to is that you know he felt he was entitled to all this stuff, and I said, listen, you know, in, in Illinois it's a little different; it's employment at will, and you got to be careful, uh, you know, how you react because any kind of severance package or whatever is an employee in good standing. And if you start making a ruckus, uh, they could take that away. Oh, I'll sue the company, man, if they do that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're not entitled to anything. It's an employment at will. That's the law in this democratic state of Illinois. So that means they can, as long as they, they're not saying, uh, yeah, we're firing you because you're, you're a pregnant woman or uh, you're homosexual. Uh, you don't have a leg to stand on, so they're kind of being very um, gracious for letting you know with a long period of time and also giving you some sort of an exit package. And he still wasn't... And I'm like, well, wait a minute. This this goes totally against your whole uh, entitlement mentality that uh, everybody's got to make their own way and uh, there's no... Yeah, but I've been here 25 years, man. So I'm entitled. I'm entitled. I'm entitled. Nobody else. No, is. nobody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I had to deal with shit like that, you know. But that's management. What are you gonna do? There's, what are you gonna uh, do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? 
You try the best you can. And really, uh, most of my stress was probably not so much what happens to me, because I, I, you know, I land on my feet no matter what, but more uh, what was going to happen to everybody that reported to me. And how did they all work out? It worked out great. Worked out great for them. For everybody, yeah. So they got severance and they got new jobs? New jobs, yeah. Nice. That's nice. Yes. Well, how about you? Like, uh, you're still doing the Xanax? You still having anxiety attacks? What's your health like? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to keep happening. Um, Why? You just said it's going to keep happening, so it's going to keep happening. You right. should have said, you know, uh, uh, I'm over that now. I'm going to start weaning myself not. off. I'm not. I'm not over it. That's the thing. I can't. Uh, I, Why not? I try to psych myself out and say, okay, this isn't happening. I'll give you an example. Uh, Saturday night, we went, uh, it was the one night, finally, you know, I went straight from work, drove home Saturday, uh, had to take my son and myself for an eye test. So we went to out to Palatine, where my sister-in-law is an optometrist at Walmart. So we had our eyes checked, and then we were going to go see their new house in uh, Hoffman Estates, and then go out to dinner. So we do that, and we go to the Arboretum. Have you ever been to the Arboretum? Yeah, yeah. They got the uh, Ruth's Chris over there. They got Cooper's Hawk. They got that great uh, theater, the IPIC. And um, and they have some sort of pizza place, but it was so crowded, uh, we ended up at this Japanese joint, okay? This okay. Is, this is how fucked up my brain is right now. So we're sitting in this place, and it's they got one server for the whole restaurant. Because the night before, they, they said it was so dead that they let everybody kind of be off Saturday night because they didn't think that anybody was going to come in. And I thought, you guys got to be stupid because next Thursday is Valentine's Day. So people are going to be here Saturday doing that with their dates. And... Uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting to eat and drink and I'm totally lightheaded. I haven't eaten since lunch. And I feel this little pain in my calf, right? So I start rubbing it and then I start thinking, oh my God, what if it's a blood clot? Oh, it's, it feels like it's moving. What if it goes up into my heart? I have a stroke or heart attack right here. And that's, it starts right there, and then it just fucking spirals into complete, completely unreasonable thoughts. Like, there's no, the chance is probably one in ten million that that's what's really happening right now. But well, I've, your mind I've set away. my mind on the, that, that I'm going to have a heart attack at any second. And so you need a Xanax to calm yourself down? I either need a Xanax or I need, you know, to excuse myself and walk around. And I didn't do that. So I leaned over to the wife. I'm like, hey, do you got any with you, man? Lithium? What? You got any with you? Oh, with you. You got any with you? You got any lithium? (laughs) Can you hook me up? What do you got? So she digs around her pill bottle and there's one that's all crumpled. So I pour it out into my hand. It's like little pieces and some some dust. I'm like a junkie, you know. I'm licking it off my hand, and uh, 
It could have been a placebo. I don't know what she handed me. I don't know. It could have been an aspirin for all I know. And but it calmed uh, you down. Yeah. Or I did. You know, and my wife was talking very animated. And ever since I've had that ear thing, I have trouble when there's a lot of shit going on because I get overwhelmed. I get this sensory overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I can't take it. I can't take these loud restaurants anymore. I can't hear people because I'm kind of deaf in my left ear. And while I was at the uh, eye doctor, hey, guess what? Uh, my next pair of glasses will have bifocals. How about that? How about that? Well, that's that's standard, you know, for our age. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, it's 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 all mental. It's all myself. Uh, you know, doing that to myself. Um, but I'll be sitting there in a meeting, and I'll be talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, I'll just start feeling woozy and lightheaded. And uh, and for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a sinus thing going on, or but then it triggers it. Bam! I start like hyperventilating. <laughs> I mean, I cover it pretty good. Uh, as soon as people leave, though, then it's like. <sighs> I mean, I've been listening to a lot of Frank Sinatra lately, and you mentioned that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's getting better because all these these kind of milestones are all we can I can check them off now. Um, it's a, I don't want to go into the milestones with work, but they're they're pretty much all checked off. As soon as I'm done with the first quarter, and that that's the big check right there, and I've delivered all you know everything I need to deliver on that. Uh, I'm good to go, you know. Good to go in 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 what sense? That you're much less stress. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nice, nice. How about you, man? How's are you stressed at work? I was. Yeah, I'm, I'm no longer. Um, yeah, I had some incident where I'm working with a vendor, and uh, the vendor. I'm I'm talking to this guy every day. Because we have some very tight deadlines. So the guy uh, doesn't even try to get a hold of me. He doesn't call me on my cell. He's got my cell, my <laughs> office phone. He's got my email. Nothing. But he panics and he calls the business owner, the business system owner, who's my client. Like, I'm, I work for her. Yes. Yes. And he says, hey, I can't get a hold of Scott. And I, I need to talk to you. So then I get a bunch of shit. Well, why couldn't he get a hold of you? What's, you know, are you available? What's going on with you? So I had to deal with that shit. I'm like, hey, look, I this guy didn't fucking try to get a hold of me. He just threw me under the fucking bus is what he did. <laughs> so then I had to rebound or recoup from that. So that kind of pissed me off. But other than that, it, it's been uh, it's been okay. Yeah. But I had to come into this project. I'm I'm coming in from an IT perspective. I'm a project manager, and there's yeah. four business project managers. Yeah. So after a week, I'm like, yeah, I don't need those guys. Get rid of them. Oh no, we we want to keep them on. We want to keep them on. So one guy disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. The other guy 
uh, is supposed. I, I keep getting reminded to include him, so I include him on meetings. The guy never fucking shows up. <laughs> and then the two other guys. One guy is actually uh, works. He does some shit, but the other guy, he's got something uh, against me. I don't know what it is, but he's he's always throwing up roadblocks for me. And making my life difficult. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I'm a super nice fucking guy. I'm arrogant <laughs> at times, right? Maybe that's it. Maybe my arrogance turned him off. I don't know. Yeah. So, but that project's almost over. Thank God that yeah. project's almost I'm tired of this vendor, and I'm tired of these four business project managers. What the fuck is a business project manager yeah. anyway? <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing about this relationship I have with my own old employees. I'm now the customer, and they're the they're the vendor, right? And they have to. It's a different dynamic. I said, you know, it's kind of the same but different. You know, um, you have to please the customer. Customer's always right. <laughs> and one of my old employees, she's like, uh, I don't see how that's any different than how it was before. Right, because you were always right. I was always, yeah, yeah, you're always right. So, I think it's going to be okay. Um, uh, The company we went with uh, to do the outsource is a very... It's reputable. Well, it's reputable. It's it's small. It's family-owned. They get their shit together. But uh, they're growing like crazy, and um, they really wanted this, and they really want to make it work, so... They've been very, very gracious. They've, they've, you know, stumbled over themselves to to try and make everything work well. So I couldn't be happier. Well, good. Well, let's moving on. Yeah. Moving on from work. Work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kids, John. My kids, uh, Emma. She went through this phase where I was super unfucking cool, and she couldn't be seen with me. And then uh, now she's. Uh, we work out together. Uh, she's on track. I go and see her at track, and and she seems to want to be around me now. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. We've we've kind of turned the corner there. And uh, my son, he is swimming, and um, he's expressed some interest in basketball. So he goes to this morning program before school starts, and uh, he can get there any any time between like seven and. 8.30. Yeah. And he's been getting himself up early to go as early as he can to shoot hoops because it's in the gym. Nice. So he's um, expressed an interest in getting involved in basketball, and he wants to play hockey, too. Whoa. So that's uh, Yeah, you might not cool. want to do that. Hockey? Why not? Well, first of all, to get ice time to practice is brutal. It's very expensive, and when you start traveling... Right. Yeah. Well, if he wants to do it, you know, yeah. whatever. We'll support him. You know what I'm saying, John? Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, we had an open house. and Well, I don't want to tell that story. Maybe I'll tell it after. Uh, an open house? Well, at school, there's an open house. Oh. Yeah. So remind me after the show. And we never follow up. We never. <laughs> <laughs> I get it right down. Oh my God! So the kids are. Uh, oh my good. God! My daughter, well, she's a freshman now. For crying out loud, she got her first re- uh, semester report card. It was fucking miserable. 
So she can't see any of her friends. She's got to concentrate on her studies. And yeah. she has responded. Her grades uh, for this uh, second semester or trimester, whatever the hell they do, are um, are picking up. And she's uh, developing some study habits. Nice. And, uh, yeah, my son's doing really well So do you school. think it's because of the friends she hangs out with? No, I think it's because she's so she's so obsessed with boys. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her when she goes to school, and this is when I went to school. I went academics was like last on the priority. Yeah. I went to school for the social aspect of it. Yeah, and to swim. You know, that's what I did. Yeah. She goes for the boys. The boys, even on track, she had her first track meet, and she was in a, a relay. And she right she. Um, Apparently, uh, like six schools were tied at the at the third leg, and she was the anchor. And she took the baton and she blew everybody away by twenty yards. So I came home and I talked to her about it because I I was at a, I had a basketball game. I didn't get to see it. And she's telling me, I said, "So tell me about your race." Oh, Dad, it was so great. So I I'm thinking I get the baton and what's what's going to make me run really fast? I envision Ryan Gosling at the finish line, and that. I would have to get there first, and if I got there first, then Ryan Gosling would be mine. You see, I would get him (laughs) over these other girls that I was racing against. So uh, I'm running, and then people started yelling, and so I thought, oh, I'm not going fast enough. Some girl's going to beat me, and and I turned it up a notch, and then I won, and... And then, so I, you know, I envision Ryan Gosling. And the other great thing about it, Dad, is that the freshman basketball team and the wrestling team was working out, and they all stopped and they all watched me, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you great. got your hands full, my friend. <laughs> so, wow. Nothing about, you know, I did well with my team, the girls I ran with. I really like them. Uh, I really enjoyed running. Nothing about that. It was about Ryan yeah. Gosling and about the basketball team watching her when she ran. And I'm thinking, well, wow, what if she missed the baton? Would her life be over because she missed the baton and the yeah. basketball team was watching and she didn't get this this fictional Ryan Gosling at the at finish line? Yeah, it's like uh, Araby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I got uh, so far we don't have that going on. My daughter's, you know, she's into it. Uh, she likes a bunch of guys, but she is so uh, shy. Like, she doesn't want to stand out, you know. Um, so it's she's focusing her, her energy on other things like school. Uh, she'll be getting her driver's license and... A couple of weeks, and um, so she slipped a little bit in science uh, and in physics, and now she's up to she's got a B now. And um, and my son is like a math; he's a math whiz. He's getting all kinds of. We get emails from his teachers all the time. Nice. And uh, my daughter's more into design and art and photography. Uh, although she did, uh, she's doing really well in a history project she's working on with a group, and um, uh, they want to put some of her artwork in the art show at school at our alma mater, Scott. That's right, John. And um, and my son will be a freshman next year, and the daughter is already uh, checking out colleges. My wife went to a college like uh, financial prep meeting last night. 
So that's that's got me a little tense. You know, that's expensive college. It is expensive, yeah. Yeah. Depending on where she wants to go. And um, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we're really proud of the kids. Uh, they're doing great. You well, know. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, Emma, she's gifted. She's really gifted in track. Um, she's a really good runner. But she wants to join lacrosse. So lacrosse starts February 22nd or something. And... Uh, I, I asked her, I said, Emma, what if what if you're really fucking good at track? Well, I didn't say fuck. Oh, you're really good at track. Are you still going to join lacrosse? Yes. And she wants to do that because her friend Katie is on lacrosse. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking, if you're really good at track, there's. I, I'm assuming there's a lot more track scholarships oh, than yeah. lacrosse scholarships. Well, check into it. You know, ask some of the parents if she gets in the, because we found out, like, my daughter's doing gymnastics, and there's a lot of politics going on at the, at the high school about uh, gymnastics. And for some reason, my daughter didn't make the sophomore team last year, and it totally devastated her. She didn't want to have anything to do with gymnastics. And so my wife went to a, uh, oh, then we talked her into being a manager of the team, you know. Just stick with it so you can work out with the girls. You still get to know them. Try out again next year. I gave her the story about Michael Jordan, you know, and he got cut from the basket. And she, she really? I didn't know that. And that kind of sparked her up a little bit, and she got back into it. But uh, we we went and watched one of the meets, and like two or three of the girls that they kept on the team couldn't even do a, a back handspring, a handspring, or a, a, a round off to a back handspring. They're still doing somersaults and a cartwheel, sort of, you know. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, my daughter is vaulting. She's got the pirouette down on the beam. She's uh, doing back handsprings, full front flip. What the hell's going on here? So my wife was livid. Well, this year, my daughter made it on JV like that. No problem. So she was... And then she hurt herself. She was screwing around during uh, practice and pulled the tendons in her foot. Ow. So she was out for like three weeks. Just like my son. The best year of football he has, and he breaks his collarbone in the second week of practice. Yeah, yeah. And he's going on uh, freshman football next year. Yeah. Nice. So nice. that's going to be exciting, man, going to going to the old uh, stomping ground to watch a football game. Right, right. They play uh, Maine South, don't they, at some point? Yeah. Yeah, let's check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so what else? So I saw some movies, John. Yeah, what'd you see? Uh, well, you know, you were talking about... Um, the hell were you talking about before it was a nice segue into the movie i one of the movies i saw but i can't remember what it was but i saw three i saw a bunch of movies but there's only three of them worth mentioning i can't remember one so maybe it'll come back to me when i'm talking but i saw silver linings playbook john have you seen this movie no with uh bradley cooper and jennifer lawrence uh and de niro de niro's in it as well uh, really good. Uh, a really well-made movie. Uh, good storytelling. 
and um, great performances from Bradley Cooper. I was really impressed with him and Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, and it's it's a story about Bradley Cooper who who grew up with um, I think he was bipolar. I can't remember. Yeah, but it was undiagnosed, and so they just his family just dealt with this problem, and then it exploded um, with this relationship we had with his wife. So he. They, he has to go to a mental institution for like eight months, and the movie starts when he gets out, and then they kind of tell the story in flashbacks, so you, you figure out why he was in the mental institution, and uh, it's just really good. It's it, I really enjoyed it, uh, and it's about dysfunctional families yeah. and how they just they make it work somehow. They get by, they make it work, and um, very good ending. Uh, teared up a little bit, you know. <laughs> highly, you know, I recommended this to uh, um, a guy I work with. Uh, he was going to a movie with his, with his wife, and I said, "Oh, you got to." He gave me two movies. Should I see Silver Linings Playbook or this other one? I can't remember what the other one. I'm like, oh, you got to see Silver Linings Playbook. It's great. It's a fucking great movie. So he goes, and then I talk to him. You know, whenever I see him again. Yeah, dude, my wife fell asleep, and uh, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Why didn't you like it? Well, the the first part of the movie, I couldn't tell what was going on because it wasn't in a sequential order. It was like uh, I had to figure out what was happening. Okay, what else didn't you like? Well, then the second half, I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. So I'm like, dude, man. <laughs> on one hand, you say you don't like it because yeah. you didn't know what's going to happen. And then you didn't like it because you knew what was going to happen. What is it? <laughs> what What are you saying? Uh, so it's very contradictory to me, and I couldn't yeah. figure that out. But he didn't like it, and his wife fell asleep. But, um, you know, this is the guy that uh, I, I had to ask, do you read books? Because I have a book recommendation for you. And he was like, I can't believe you asked me that. That's so You're so fucking arrogant. <laughs> and so then I said, oh, I'm sorry. Well, here's the book I want to recommend. And then at the end of the conversation, he's like, yeah, I don't read books. Well, why didn't you tell me that when I yeah. asked you, dude? So. You're so arrogant, Scott. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So that Silver Linings Playbook, I highly recommend that movie. I don't know if you'd like it, John. I liked it. You like explosions and shit like that. Yeah. Oh, no, I like uh, Bradley Cooper and He's De Niro. really good in it. I, and, I, and the casting of him was good. I saw some funny bits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah. It's good. It's good, it's good. Uh, the other movie I saw just uh, recently was on Netflix. It was called Extract with uh, Justin Bateman. Is that his name? Justin Bateman? Yeah. And uh, Mila Kunis? Yeah. Is it Mila? Mila? Kunis. 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 He's this guy, He and it's by Mike Judge, the guy who gave us the great office space, John. Yeah. So it's the same uh, kind of humor, and, and I there's laugh-out-loud moments in this movie. Uh, so it's about Justin Bateman. He, owns, he started this company. He owns this company, and GE wants to buy him out. But he's got this relationship with his wife that there's just, this just not happening anymore, and he can't figure it out. And Mila rolls through town, and he's attracted to her. And his best friend is Ben Affleck, who's a bartender. 
And Ben Affleck is like, uh, hey, man, smoke some weed, take some Xanax. <laughs> take some Xanax. So they do that, and Ben Affleck convinces him to hire a gigolo, a male gigolo, to hit on his wife. And then if it's successful, if he sleeps with his wife, then he can sleep with Mila Kunis. Yeah. Because it would be everything's going to be sleep okay. Sleep with Mila Kunis. Right. So... That plays out, and that's where it kind of jumped the shark for me, because... Kunislingus. Um, this male gigolo, uh, he's a good-looking kid, but he's dumber than all get out, and yeah. I just couldn't buy that Justin Bateman's wife would, would go for this guy, but um, I'm giving spoilers, but she does. Yeah. So it jumped the shark a little bit for me, but there's laugh-out-loud moments. Uh, and if you like Mike Judge or you like Office Space, uh, same kind of... Love that quirky humor in this one. Not as good as Office Space. <laughs> Nowhere as near as good as Office Space. Uh, but it's on Netflix, you know, so it's like it's free. Oh, you know. yeah. If you ignore the monthly subscription, it's like it's free. <laughs> it's like it's free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing, uh, Breaking Bad... Um, I, I've wrapped up the second season of Breaking Bad. My wife, during sometime during the second season, got disinterested. She's like, I, I just can't watch. I'm not interested anymore. Yeah. I stuck with it, and the last three episodes of season two were so fucking good. Um, I'm trying to get her to watch it again so that what I've heard is season three is where it really is really, really good. So I'm trying to get her to catch up with me. Yeah. Um,. I don't know if that'll happen or not. And I saw something else, but so I can't I saw, remember. I saw two movies. What'd you see? I saw Dread. Oh, I saw Dread. I you, saw Dread. You did? Yeah. yeah. And uh, here comes the boom. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of Dread? I I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I thought Dread was good too. It was, it was really simple, but I, I like what they did visually. Yeah. And the um, slow motion, and, and the, it was very graphic. Yeah. Um, I liked it, and the guy never took his fucking mask right. off. What what I what I loved about it is okay. You know I'm a big comic book fan, right? Right, right. And one of in and Batman um was always always my favorite. Um, and at some point I can't remember when I picked it up. I'm looking at the cover right now. So it was done in 1991. Okay, uh, I picked up a copy of. Uh, Batman Judge Dread Judgment on Gotham And it's the first time I ever Saw a comic book with Judge Dread And the art Is Simon Bisley And it's so fucking cool I'll have to show it to you I have it in my hand right now The artwork is so kick ass And how brutal Dread is In in this fucking thing, I was like, yeah, I like Judge Dredd. So I started, you know, grabbing a couple comics here and there. And when the other movie came out with Sylvester Stallone, I was like, ah, oh, they there's only one scene where they they made it any good, and it was when uh, I can't remember the name of this character, but he's got like one arm and one mechanical arm, and he's got like a uh, a mechanical head, and he's got this this dial he turns up on his forehead to make him go mental. Anyway, that was probably the coolest part of that movie, and then the rest was just annoying with, um, what's that guy, 
Rob Schneider. Yeah, yeah, Rob Schneider. I am the law. Uh, but uh, so I'm like, I was kind of apprehensive in seeing this one, but I heard some good reviews. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, I can't wait to watch it again, actually, because it was like reading this comic book that I have in my hand right now. And uh, I I thought it was so cool. I mean, just the fact that they get locked in. And and the whole thing is this future city of like 8,800 Brazilian people. Yeah. and it's a wasteland known as Cursed Earth. It's the future of the United States, Scott. And it's uh, Mega City. Mega City 1 is where he's the judge. And all the all the judges, uh, they have some rules. They can, they can uh, you know, give a parking ticket. Or they can throw you in jail. Or they can uh, uh, execute you right there. If you, you know, hit certain levels. And... He's training, what's the name of the dude that's in it? Carl Urban? He's Judge Dredd, and he doesn't take his mask off the whole time. And Olivia Thurbley? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Thurbley? Thurbley. Thurbley. Is like the trainee. And she's cute and everything, but she is fucking, yeah, and she's badass. In this film, and then there's Lena Headey, who's uh, plays the uh, the drug lord. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and they all get in there because they're investigating a murder where they just dropped a couple of bodies from the very top, which was pretty nasty, wasn't it? When yeah. they hit the ground and they just kind of flattened. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. Uh, so I really, I really enjoyed that film. Yes, uh, I got to get it on DVD. I recommend Judge Dread. John, no, it's just Dread. Yeah, just Dread. Just not Dread. Ju- Judge Dreads with Sylvester. And right? I got, I got a 3D TV now. So really, yeah, wow. And it's pretty cool. I got to tell you, my friend. I, I thought, gotta yeah, tell you. this is nah. a gimmick. It's going to be dead. Nah. So I, I would watch <laughs> like a football game with in 3D, and I'm like, yeah, this is lame. Well, then. Uh, on Comcast, they got 3D channels, so I clicked over and I hit this one for the ocean, underwater 3D, or it was just like the ocean or something. My son and I put the glasses on, hit the button, and dude, I gotta tell you, man, <laughs> oh my god, shit, it's just so weird watching it on a screen that's not big enough to surround your whole space you know because it looks like shit's coming out of it like it's a window like water was flying around little droplets it was it's really good so we went we rented like uh uh lost what is it land of the lost two or something with the rock right which was pretty funny i gotta say so yeah. Anyway, so we uh, yeah, I got one of those, and then and then we rented. Here comes the boom the other night. You ever see that movie, Kevin James? No, it's a it's relatively new, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, I I heard it was good. Is Selma Hayek his wife? No, but she's in it. Yeah, she plays uh, 
like the school nurse. The the story is uh, Kevin James is uh, he was a biology or not, a science teacher in high school, and science. at some point he was a really great teacher. He got you know teacher of the year. But they open up the show where he's late, he dives in the window, uh, and then he just tells the kids to just do whatever they want to do. He doesn't care anymore. And I don't know if it's the superintendent or the principal of the school uh, makes an announcement that they have to make cutbacks and they're going to cut the music program, which is taught by Henry Winkler. And uh, Kevin James gets all pissed off, and he's like, you know, come on, give the guy a break. He's going to be out of a job. Why can't we raise the money, blah, blah, blah. So he decides he's going to raise the money, and he wants a bunch of teachers to help him, and none of them help him. Selma Hayek is the only one that shows up to the meeting, and, of course, uh, Henry Winkler. So... Uh, what he decides to do is he's going to like teach uh, immigrants and get them ready for the the prep test for prep them for the uh, like constitution test so they become citizens and uh, he befriends Nico this big uh, MMA fighter and at some point he comes up with the idea because the guy got his face pounded in and made ten grand in an MMA fight just for losing. That he all he's got to do is lose like five fights, and he's got the forty eight thousand dollars he needs to keep the school that program going. And uh, it's not it's not a well written written movie, you know. Yeah, um, you could tell it seems like maybe Adam Sandler had something to do with it because. <laughs> It's it's in Happy Madison Productions, you know. Uh, yeah. But he's not in it, which is good news. Uh, but there are some scenes that are fucking. <laughs> I don't know why I even laughed at some of them. They were so dumb. But I was dying laughing. And the, this character Nico, uh, I don't know what nationality he is, but he is funnier than shit. And um, Kevin James really buffed up for this film. I guess he worked out 14 months and learned how to fight MMA and everything. And uh, what was great about it is when you watch movies with your kids and they're laughing so hard. I mean, there's no greater joy, Scott, than watching your kids having the best time of their life, especially when you're doing it with the family. And they're and they <laughs> they're laughing so hard and loud you can't hear what's going on you know what the next thing is you got to rewind we had to rewind a couple parts because it was so goddamn funny and the amount of slapstick in this thing with Kevin James is is great uh, so you know I recommend it especially f- with the family because I thought it was I don't know if your daughter would like it but I think your son would think it's hilarious. Because uh, there's a guy I work with. He's an ex MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually told me a story once. I asked him, "So why'd you stop MMA fighting?" And he said, "Well, I was uh, I was in a fight, and this guy was beating me pretty good. And I was looking for weakness, and I found one. And I ended up giving him about four spinning back fists to the same eye. 
and uh, and I almost caught him with a spinning heel kick on the same eye, but I missed. And then I hit him with the last spinning back fist, and he went down, and I won. But I saw him about three days later, and his forehead was sticking out like four inches, and his eye was closed shut. And I asked him if he was okay. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, do that. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. I got to go get it lanced. And he thought, you know, I got to, like, meet with customers and stuff. And and how am I going to run a meeting or have customers? If and you my get face is all swollen. <laughs> so he says that's why he quit MMA. Kung Fu. Some sort of... Uh, snake tiger fist thing he does and I'm like how do you guys do that man you know I mean you know I I've been in fights it doesn't feel good he goes well he goes I got hurt more playing basketball football and softball than I did fighting he goes I got knocked out one time and you know just practicing choke choking each other out was the only other time where I blacked out. But other than that, I never broke a bone or anything. I got it all from anything I broke. It was like, he goes, I broke an ankle playing basketball and football. I don't know how many injuries I had from that. I'm like, really? That's worse than MMA fighting? I don't know, man. I might get into MMA, dude. That'd be out of sight, man. I'd come see that. Yeah. Yeah. I got a glass jaw, though. I get knocked out too easy. Mm. I've been mm-hmm. knocked out mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only once for me. They were both sucker punches, though. Wine in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Well, I've never been knocked out that long. <laughs> Was it a long time? Oh, dude, if I wasn't slapping you in the face. <laughs> Scott, Scott. <laughs> Rick's like, don't move him, don't move him. We got to move him. His neck is like bent the wrong way. <laughs> hey, man. I'm fine. I'm, what man. am I doing on the floor, man? 20 minutes, man. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just told that story, too, to someone. It's out of sight. Yeah. So here comes the boom. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I thought of the other I movie, John. Funny. It's a great movie. Yeah. If you're a musician or into music, this is a really great documentary. It's called... My wife actually turned me on to this. I don't know where she heard about it, but she sent me an email and said, I want to see this movie. I can't remember if I, it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or if I had to rent it. I can't remember, but it's called Searching for Sugarman. Have you heard of this movie, no, John? No, Have you heard of a guy... So, you remember Bob Dylan in the 60s? Yeah. He was a folk singer, and, and there were other folk singers. Yeah. Uh, did you ever hear of a guy named Rodriguez? Rodriguez. No. From New York. Um, so, there's this guy, Rodriguez, who, who was very Dylan-esque. Like, he was a folk singer, and he, he sang these political songs, and he would play gigs, but he was kind of nervous, so he would face, his back would face the audience. Um, and he played a couple of gigs, and these record producers got a hold of him, and they, they put two albums together. And all these record producers at the time thought, this guy is going to 
be huge, huge. Lyrically, his songs, everything. is. He's, this guy's like Dylan. But he didn't do anything in the States. Nothing. Nothing in the States. But in South Africa, where they were going through apartheid and all that bullshit, his songs really caught on. And the message of his songs, which were anti-establishment and challenge authority, that kind of shit. Yeah. The guy was bigger than Elvis in South Africa. Like in the in the seventies and even in the eighties, wow! So these two guys on different continents um, get intrigued by this Rodriguez, this guy, and they're like, "Well, what happened to him? Let's search for him. Let's find him." And the story is that he there's a couple different stories. One is that he did his final performance, and the crowd was giving him shit, so he set himself on fire. And the other one was uh, the same thing, but he took a gun out and shot himself on stage. That was his final oh, performance. Jeez! So th- it's the way they tell the story in the documentary is so cool, and you learn a lot of stuff too. Um, but the way it plays out is so good, and and it's if, if you're a musician, you're going to really enjoy this. And if you like music, I think you'll enjoy it too. Nice. Uh, so I highly recommend searching for Sugar Man about Rodriguez, John. Yeah. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. <laughs> hey, do you have HBO? I do not. Oh, never mind. Then. Why? What were you going to say? Well, I don't know. Maybe you can get it on Netflix or something. What is it? What am I getting? Uh, Lombardi, the film. Lombardi. Yeah. It's a documentary about Vince Lombardi. I got to tell you, man, uh, that is, I could not stop watching that documentary. I just happened to click it on and had stuff to do, and I blew off everything to finish watching this thing. I was so captivated by this film, and I must have cried 19 times through the, the movie. Um, it talked about uh, Vince Lombardi and how he got into, uh, well, it was, it's kind of surrounding the whole Pro Football Hall, Hall of Fame, and um, it is an HBO film, and it, it goes from his days at, at the university that he was a coach at, and kind of how he got screwed over and didn't get the deal he wanted coaching, uh, I think, I don't even know what New York team it was back then. Maybe it was the Giants. I don't know. Uh, And he ended up in Green Bay. And what is he, a three-time champion? I don't know. Whatever it is. Uh, But the guy died like in... He only lived five years after coaching, and he died like right away. It's a really sad kind of ending... But at the same time, it was bittersweet because he, um, yeah, he died at age 57, dude. Uh, but this guy was like such a hard ass. But at the same time, he like loved his team. And um, anyway, you got you got to see it. If you can get a chance to see it, it's really fucking It's not ass. on Netflix, John. Am I going to cry 19 times? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I did. Well, I, uh, uh, I saw uh, Silver Linings Playbook, 
playbook with my daughter. Yeah. And at the end, you know, I'm tearing up. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. I don't want my daughter to see me all crying. <laughs> I know and my shit. daughter looks at me immediately. <laughs> Are you crying? No. I just yawned. Yeah. Shut up. Well, I managed to to reel it in, you know, before the credits, and um, uh, I just look away, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as we walk out to the car, and it's a long walk to the car. So by then, I'm I'm all put back together. Yeah, it's it's a tearjerker, um, especially the end um, is uh, is is pretty pretty uh, captivating. But anyway, I digress. Uh, you know, it was Christmas, Scott. Yes, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. John. We started out talking about Christmas, and we haven't exchanged gifts. I have a gift for you. I have one gift for you. I have two, actually. And, uh, I have two gifts for you, but um, uh, I can't get the other one for you. Can I bring that into you? Can I bring uh, my gift? You bring yours to right. me, and then I'll just hand mine to you. Oh, all right. How about that? Yeah, yeah all right. I'm going to hide mine. I'm hiding it. In your ass? Am I supposed to, like, So John it? is in a separate room. He's in his little office, and I'm out in the living area of the basement. So John's coming out right now. It looks like a wine uh, thing. Here's yours. I didn't wrap it. There you go. That's just one of them, dude. All right, so I'm opening it. I have a, oh, look at this, Eagle Rare Single Barrel Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Yeah, there's a this story is, behind that. Well, I got a story behind this too, John. I, I've been um, having business meetings at a place called uh, Lincoln Whiskey something or other. Yeah. And uh, I've been there about three or four times talking to some colleagues about some opportunities. And... Uh, Dude, I, you got this signed. Yeah. So anyway, hold on. Uh, let me finish my Eagle Rare. So I asked th- this bartender, um, I said, hey, you know, I, I, I like uh, um, scotch. I like bourbon. I want to try something new. What do you got for me? So she mentioned something to me, and I said, well, well how much is it for, you know, a, a glass on the rocks? Oh, that one's $22. <laughs> oh, yeah, forget that one. All right? $22? Yeah. I guess I am cheap. So I said, you got something else? And so she said, yeah, I got this other one. It's called Eagle Rare, and it's like six bucks a glass. Uh, and I said, well, let me try that. And I really enjoyed yeah. the Eagle Rare Single Barrel Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey John. Well, and here it is in my hand. Yeah, it's here, in my hand right now. Here's why why I like it and why I thought you would like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned a few podcasts ago that I went and did a studio thing uh, with Amber and Chuck, and we went over to Chuck's house. And when we were done, we had some bourbon, and I couldn't remember the name of the bourbon. So I contacted Chuck and I said, "Listen." I can't remember what it was. That was like the best shit I ever had. What was it? He told me it was an Eagle Rare 17-year-old, which was a limited edition. I couldn't find a (laughs) 17-year-old bourbon, Uh, but I did find the 10-year-old, and uh, he said it's just as good. It's a, as he said, I think 10 years old uh, are... They offer Eagle Rare Single Barrel, which is a a 10-year-old, and a fine bourbon in its own right. And Chuck was uh, good 
enough to um, get us, you know, different tastes of rye and all that. Remember when we had that gig at, um, I had that gig with uh, Amber and Chuck. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Chuck is a bit of a scotch and bourbon aficionado and rye drinker. Yes, he turned me on to some rye. Yeah. I didn't even know rye existed, John. Yeah, so uh, that's because of the uh, discussion that we had and the fine bourbon that I tasted there, and I wanted you to share uh, some of my experience. So yes, uh, Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you, John. And also you got me an iTunes gift card. That's yeah. very nice of you. The challenge I have is I share an account with my daughter. So if I if I in uh, uh, activate this yeah. gift card, yeah. uh, it's going to be like uh, $50 <laughs> of Justin Bieber. <laughs> Bullshit. Oh, uh, well, you got to you got to decide I'll, yeah, like I'll change the password like, until look, I spend it all. Look at a bunch of books that you want or movies or something, put it on your iPad. Yeah. There and you go. Uh, and there you go. Why'd you put the receipt in here? You think or I'm movies? Return it or, or something? movies? So anyway, oh, no, Scott just, uh, Scott got me the Who Am I, uh, Pete Townsend uh, book, and it's signed. This isn't your copy, is it? You didn't? No, I got two copies. I brought. I dragged my daughter with. So I nice. told that story on the podcast. So yeah. we got two copies, John. Two oh, of them. That is fucking. That, so I'm giving you that's one of them. Two times now, you've gotten me. A sign, and I got to tell you, I never really liked the Who. You always gave me shit about it, and then one day I watched, um, I watched something online, and I watched Keith Moon actually play, and I was really impressed. Was it the Isle of Wight gig? It was something like that, yeah. Where he's wearing all white. Yeah, that was probably it. Yeah, and it's kind of dark. Yeah, the whole movie's dark. Yeah. yeah, he's got his microphone all taped up, and everybody's all in. Uh, what's his fringe? Daltrey's all yeah, yeah. He's all got his shit taped up. It's it was really good. So I was like, wow, they're actually fucking really talented. I, I just didn't like the sound of their albums, except for Tommy, um, which is one of the songs I first songs I learned on guitar when I was like twelve. Um, and that and twenty, what is that Chicago song? 25 or 624, is that it? <laughs> by the who? Or no, by Chicago? no, by Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 25 or 6 to 4, right. Yeah. That's right, dude. That's right, right on, man. Yeah. Yeah, so the other thing Liz, I was going to do... Meet Brad. <laughs> I was going to do this tonight as we were doing yeah. the show, but I forgot my wallet. I was going to, uh, I think I did it last year. I, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I send you the gift card via yeah, email. nice. Yeah. And I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to resend had to redo it. redo it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> first tune I learned on guitar, plus... I thought everybody's first tune on guitar was um, Smoke on the Water. No. Dun, dun, dun. That was my first song. That was my daughter's uh, Pinball first song. Pinball Wizard was my other one. For a first song? Yeah. Wow. There's nothing to it, man. One of us would play the jing, 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 and the other guy would go, Joel, Joel. The John Entwistle part, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. But not this part. This part. Right here. It's only two chords. It's not the John Atwistle part. When they do it live, it is. Ass wipe. Shut up! <laughs> John Atwistle's like, do 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 Yeah. Jimmy Marquette's basement, man. Right on. Jamming out to that. So uh, thank you, Scott, for this book. I will read this book. This will be a book I will read. Yes. Uh, I love reading books on my iPad. I have several. Um, But this has pictures. It has pictures. And you can't sign an iPad. (laughs) No, you can't. Uh, what was, oh, so speaking of music, my daughter turned me on to a song. How about this? So we went up to Eagle River. Um, oh, that's the other thing. Uh, so we had two dogs, right? We had this, uh, mutt and then we got this Rottweiler and then, um, we brought the mutt up to my parent, my mom and her husband's in Eagle River. Uh, and we went away for thanksgiving so instead of boarding him we brought him up there and they held him through christmas and then sometime during that time they emailed me and said hey can we have your dog so i talked to my wife and my family about it and they were like yeah i guess so uh and then we went up for christmas and then my daughter had second thoughts she wanted the dog back and they're like look if we take the dog back you got to fucking take care of this dog i'm tired of taking care of this your dog you got to take care of the dog Dad, I'll do that. I'll, I'll take care of the dog, okay? Just I just want him to come home. <laughs> so we get home with the dog, and the dog is, like, invisible to her. There's no dog. Ah. She doesn't take care of the dog, so I got to take care of the dog again. Women. So a week later, we drove the dog back to Eagle River, and uh, my, my mother and her husband have a new dog, which is our old dog, and we're down to one dog. Ah, see, we're looking for another dog. Now, if I could just figure out how to get rid of this one dog... Uh, that'll be fucking great. I thought you um, loved dogs. What happened? I, 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 you know, I love my first dog. I think I got lucky with the first dog. Yeah. But I'm I'm so... You know, Elvis, I, right? Elvis. Yeah. Uh, Elvis was a good dog. Spoiled. I get spoiled. And now, yeah. I just these dogs, they just piss me off. They constantly I mean, Elvis me was like your brother, man. He was your best friend. Right on, John. Well, the thing about him is when I got him, I took him everywhere yeah. I went. But I haven't been able to do that with these other dogs. Yeah. Um, and they're just not good family dogs. No? No. Well, the the one dog that we gave to my mother, he's a, he, I guess he's a good family dog. But he's got issues. He's an ass. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, he's, just a, he's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> a dog. He's an ass. He doesn't clean up after himself. He's he leaves the milk out. Well, no, like... Um, we're hanging out watching TV, right? Yeah. And he'll sneak up, and he knows he's not supposed to be on any beds, but he'll sneak up and he'll he'll climb in bed, 
And but he's smart enough to know when we're coming up the stairs yeah. to kind of sneak off the bed. Yeah, Max does that. Yeah, I, f- I you know, I just fuck fuck Weasel. that. And then he's got this thing where with new people, even with me or, or people he knows, he's really nervous around his head. So like, if you reach out quickly to pat him or something, yeah. he gets all fucking freaked out, and he's he's nipped. He hasn't caught anybody, but he's nipped oh. and shown his teeth. And oh, I don't want to fucking good. deal with yeah. that. Yeah, my kids want another dog, and you know, he Max is getting old, and so they they're on my case. The wife's on my case, and they want a puppy. And I said, we're not getting a puppy. I mean, you're gonna kill the dog we have now. We get a puppy. That's it. It's curtains. That right. thing's gonna be dead. Mm, yeah. So let's get one that's like a year old. So we'll probably get another. Uh, you know, rescue uh, dog. I don't know if we'll do a rescue dog if we get lucky again and get something that you know because those rescue dogs, it's a lot of them are pit bulls. You go there and they're they're almost all pit bulls, right? And I know if you if you're a good dog owner, uh, there should be no problem with a pit bull. But my wife and kids are not good at uh, you know get being a pack leader. So alpha, yeah, they don't understand that whole thing. Oh, he's standing by the door. He wants to go out. Oh, let's. Oh, okay, let's let him out. And they talk to him like he's a person. You know, and I'm like, that's the problem here, folks. Folks, he's listen, not a folks. purpose. He's not a purpose. A porpoise. He's, a, <laughs> he's not a person. He's a dog. He does dog stuff, and uh, you don't let him out every ten minutes. Oh, see, he wants to go out. See, so what? He's on my that's schedule. Right. Uh, so they they kind of wreck him. You know. <laughs> Well, Max is nice. He's, He's a nice a dog. dog. That bark is something else, though, ain't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've the... been here. How many times have I been here? <laughs> I know. 269 <laughs> times at least, right? You just ignore him, walk right I in, just and he walk keeps right going. In. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he scared the shit out of four cops that were on our front porch. Four cops come walking up and ring the bell, and he must have been sleeping or something. And. My family has a habit of leaving the front door open, so it's just a storm door. And I witnessed him literally jump, and all four paws bounce off the storm door while he was barking at him. I'm like, whoa, I've never seen that before. And I come to the door, and there's these four cops standing there, and they like start. I open the door up, and Max runs out. And they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, Max, get back here. And one of the cops says, yeah, don't get mad, Max. Don't get mad, Max. Get it, Mad Max. Right, right. And it was funny. I started laughing. I go, don't worry about it. He's not going to mess with you. I said, you can pet him. He won't bite. And they're like, oh, yeah, he is a good dog. Wow, what a great guard dog. And I'm thinking, okay, Enough with my dog. Why are there four policemen standing on my front porch? Oh, yeah, we're looking for... Does this guy live here? And they show me some picture, and I go, no. How long have you been living here? And they're shaking me down. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, since 2001. Okay, so you've never seen this guy? He doesn't live here. I said, listen, 
Look. He does. I don't know who he is. <laughs> I go. There was renters here before me, and uh, maybe that's the guy that used to be here. I have no idea. And he, they gave me his name, and I told my wife the guy's name. My wife's like, "Oh yeah, that guy's uh, divorced his wife, who was living in this house, and uh, I guess he owes owes like back child support or something." And they had a warrant for his arrest. Four cops. So let that be a lesson to you. Don't forget to pay your child support because they'll shake you down, man. Four, well, they're shaking you down. Shaking me down, you yeah. got nothing to do with it. It's a good Four thing they didn't open cops. fire. Yeah. Like I'm these the cops are doing, uh, looking for this other guy. They're just shooting at trucks that yeah. match the description. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's uh, I guess, dead now or something. They, yeah, he got torched. So I, I listen to I'm listening to MSNBC on the way home, and uh, they break in with this news break. Uh, breaking news: They start interviewing the uh, I don't know if it was a police chief or what of this town, and one of the questions they asked was, um, uh, they found this guy, I guess, or, or they they found a charred body and and. Uh, and his wallet and his ID in this cabin right across the street from where everything happened. And uh, somebody asked, well, did you guys even check the cabins, you know, when you were combing the area? And the guy's like, well, one of the deputies says, well, yeah, we did. We we checked the area. Uh, we, we, you know, we if the door was locked or we didn't see any forced entry, we proceeded on. So wait a minute. You're saying, well, how did this guy get in this cabin and hole up in there, and for how long? I mean, it sounds like to me you didn't check all the cabins. Okay, we're done with questioning for today. Uh, let's move <laughs> along. So they totally dodged this question about this guy. What is his name? Dorner? Dormer? Dormer. Dormer. Yeah. Christopher. Chris Dormer. Some cop, ex-cop, LAPD, and I don't know what his beef was, but he shot a bunch of people, a bunch of other cops, and uh, and then uh, he was on the run. He crashed his car, hijacked another car. I don't know the whole story, but they finally um, thought that they had him, and then they started a gunfight with him. I don't know if there's video or what. I got to check it out. But then they burnt this. Something happened. They shot what was called cold uh, tear gas in, and then they shot what was called as burners because people were listening to the to the uh, chatter on the on the uh, uh, on the scanners, and they heard yeah, they're shooting in burners, uh, which I guess are pyrotechnic versions of. Uh, tear gas they get really hot and that's what burned the house down and they found the charred remains of this guy in the basement they think nice yeah a lot of violence and shooting going on you know yeah yeah i don't understand that that whole school shooting and um sandy hook and all that crap what what the fuck's up with that i don't know but it's happened before. Yeah. It'll happen again. It's happened before. That's right. 
All right, so we started this conversation because I heard some new music that my daughter turned oh, me I'm on. Oh, I'm sorry. To. <laughs> so we just took a left turn right well, off the, I, That was my fault because off the off uh, we, uh, when we, so she came up to Eagle River with me, and it's like a six-hour drive, so she had her iPod, and, we, and she gets to play her music from her iPod through the car stereo, but I get um, veto uh, rights. Right. Yeah. So I get to say, yeah, I turn this fucking shit off. Move on to the next <laughs> song. Because she's got all this. She's got like 20 Justin Bieber songs. Yeah. And so uh, she turned me on to this new song. When I first heard this song, like the beginning of the song, I was like, this is the most irritating fucking thing I've ever heard. Uh, but I gave it a chance. And then uh, you get to hear it's it's funny. It's got a it, it's I find it enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. It's creative. Um, and then you find out, have you heard of this guy, Macklemore, John Macklemore? No. So this guy, he and his buddy uh, put this album together, and they didn't get involved with the record company, and they just put it out on iTunes or wherever. They distributed it themselves, and it became this huge Are you me fucking... That this sucker is nuclear? Like this YouTube video that I got queued up has 100 million views. So they did it all their own. Like, they, they put the whole thing together, no record company, and a lot of people have now written articles saying, this is the future of music. You're going to get... You, record companies are over. It's, yeah. it's done. They're done with. Thank God for that bullshit. Right. Because, I mean, since record companies existed, they've been ripping artists off. Yeah. And um, uh, there's this great scene in, in Sugarman, the movie I was talking about earlier, where the guy who produced Rodriguez's albums um, made a ton of money in South Africa. Just a ton of money. Yeah. And Rodriguez didn't get shit. And so they asked him about this. And the guy gets all fucking bent out of shape. Like, how dare you ask me that? I don't care about money. I don't care about that. And it's you're just like, what a fucking... Yeah. Typical rep- record company asshole. Right. How do I make money off the the talents and creativity of other people? Um, so I'm going to play this song, John. And the I was very irritated at the beginning of the song, but the very first line yeah. of the song, um, I was sold. And so on on one hand, I'm sold, and then the other hand, I'm like, why the fuck is my daughter listening to all right, this? All right, get to it before all I right. shoot myself in the face. Here we go. Here we go. It's not playing. <laughs> Why isn't that playing? Oh my God! Come on! It was man. playing before. Did you mute me? Oh, there you oh. go. See, you had me muted. It's not my no, fault, I man. Didn't have you muted. Come on, man. <laughs> what, 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 so I'm irritated right now. I'm like, what is this? Come on. What is this? Now it's getting more irritating. First line is great. Not this part. This is good, but the first line is good. 
Alright, wait a minute. Why are you. What? See, this is the problem with you, man. You're not your daughter's friend, man. Right? I understand that. Fucking cock and all that. You're. you're Sharing this kind of music with you. fucking cock. He said I had a big cock. But he said fuck. Oh yeah, he says fucking shit later on. He did it in the beginning. So what are you saying? What am I? I don't know. What do you want me to do? You're a parent, goddammit. You're not their pal. Oh my god. I understand that, but she's already bought the song. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. I know my kids listen to this shit, and this is how they talk on the playground. But they do not, in front of me or my wife, say, talk, uh, even listen to this stuff in front of us. There are songs I'll tell her. I, you got to turn this off. That's inappropriate. So, what she know about rocking the wolf on your noggin? What she knowin' about wearing a fur fox skin? Whoa. I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm searching right through that luggage. One man's trash, that's another man's come up. Whoa. Thank your granddad for donating that plaid button up shirt. So yeah, I'm worried about you, my friend. Why? <laughs> you worried about me? Yeah. Why? I don't know what you're doing. Grandma, your auntie, your mama, your mammy. I'll take those flannel zebra jammies secondhand. I rock that motherfucker. The building. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I hit the party. And they stop in that motherfucker. They be like, oh, that Gucci, that's hella tight. I'm like, yo, that's $50. Yeah, so I got turned on to this new song. Yeah. Yeah, so I've heard like a hundred songs. New songs. They're all shit. This is the only one I like. I thought it was this tune that you're playing. All about how my life got flipped, turned upside down And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air See, this is what my daughter listens to (laughs) Nice, good, clean Right What is going on over there, man? (laughs) Dude (laughs) Going on over where? Did you tell your wife? Yeah, I'm into this Em and I listen to this stuff no, I don't. Uh, Why not? Why no, not? I'll go home tonight. I'll play it okay. for Okay. Uh, okay. I want to hear the reaction. I'll say, check out this first line, honey. Yeah, play it again. I walk into the club. I'm like, what's up? I got a big cock. Yeah. <laughs> That's <funny>. Yeah. <laughs> and you're laughing, right? With your daughter right there. No, I didn't laugh in front of her. No, I don't cry and I don't laugh in front of her. I try not to. Yeah, let's watch 20, 21 Jump Street. You're only 11. <laughs> hey, she was 14 at yeah. the time. <laughs> Age oh, that appropriate. Re- that reminds me there's something else I got to show you after this show. Show me? <laughs> yeah, I got to show you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to go to bed soon, man. Yeah, let's wrap this up yeah. then. So, 269, so no the Phil, welcome right? back. No, Phil's... You know, he was on for like eight weeks, and I said, yeah, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it. And then I would have to call him, and he's like, hey, look, man, you call me when you know, all right? Oh, man. 
killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, well, you know what that means, Scott. we got to wrap this up. What is this, 269? 269. Double 69s. My kids don't even listen to this show, man. They want to. Well, I hope not. But I say don't. You can't. You're not allowed. And they won't. Does your daughter listen to this show? No. Are you sure? Yeah. How do you know? Because I tell stories about her, and if she listened, she would give oh, me shit about I it. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, man. All right, then. Well, that's it for this week, Scott. Hopefully we'll get one in next week and the week after and the week after that. Yeah, we'll get back on a roll. Yeah. And then we'll be right in time for the uh, summer hiatus. Oh, oh no, you... I don't have to do those anymore. Oh, you don't? No, because I'm not in the band, see? Well, so what if you were in the band? Why Why would you have to do a summer hiatus? Because I was in the band and I, you know, I got... Uh... I didn't have to do a summer hiatus. Rick didn't have to do a summer hiatus. <laughs> why do you well, have Rick's to do it? Rick's not on a podcast, is well, he? Okay, well, I didn't have to do a summer hiatus. Why do you have to do a summer hiatus? I don't have to do a summer hiatus. I'm not in a band. Well, when you were in a band, yes. why did you have to do a because summer hiatus? Because I needed to spend time with my family, John. <laughs> Wait a minute. But you only spent like two hours practicing and two hours podcasting. What no, a, that's not true. Out of, out of 180 I, I hours. I spent at least 20 hours a week practicing uh, and then oh, at bullshit. home. At home. At home. You did not. Two hours. That here. is false. There's no <laughs> way. If you spent 20 hours a week practicing, you would be a fucking prodigy on the base. No, some people just aren't talented. No, come on. Come on. Baloney. Baloney, you. Practice makes... Uh, 10,000 hours makes you a genius at that uh, instrument. You would have been a genius. You sell yourself short. Yeah, but 10,000 hours... I was only in the band for five years, right? So that's yeah. 20 hours a week times 50. Let's... You know, we'll do some math. That's 1,000 times 5. That's only 5,000 hours. Yeah, so half a genius, but I'm you weren't even close. Half a genius. Oh, I was close. You were close. still playing on one string. <laughs> I managed to play on two. Yeah. Towards the end, yeah. Towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, so after 5,000 hours, I was a genius on two strings. Give me another 5,000, <laughs> yeah. I would incorporate all four strings. You were not a genius Just on two strings. Just don't give me five strings. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Uh, is this tune like a regular bass? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right, that's it for this week. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. Listening to John and Scott. A total talk nonsense.